Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Cinematic Comic Verse podcast. I believe we started last episode uh, incorrectly labeling it as episode 9. If we labeled it as episode 10, then that was correct. Uh, today we're talking Age of Ultron. I'm Davis. I'm joined by my co-hosts Corey and Ryan. And guys, before we jump in, I, I do want to share just like a quick... Uh, just, just so you know, my heart's in it, right? Uh, I, I've been doing doing some physical labor today. Uh, got got a little bit of a sweat going, cooled down, and right before the podcast, I thought, should I shower or should I just, you know, prepare for the podcast? And I decided to keep preparing in lieu of showering. And even though I hope my my dedication will pay off, I figured that I'm not doing. Uh, the comic book fan community any favors <laughs> by choosing not to shower and do a podcast about comic books. So I, I will write that wrong shortly after we wrap up. Uh, but I'm 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 falling into the uh, into the tropes, into the stereotypes. I mean, you will also fall into another stereotype of having your shirtless scene at some point tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, mine, mine unfortunately will will not be camera ready and 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 only fit for the audio medium. But uh, <laughs> we'll, you know, it 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 will it will happen. Beautiful, <laughs> Corey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I am doing a real service to the the podcast and comic book community by knitting at this moment, and I'm very excited about it. So, I I, I hope that outweighs how stinky you are, Davis. Oh gee, I mean, I didn't say I was like stinky. Yeah, that's what I was hearing from what you said. I was like, Davis smells. <laughs> there was. I I can't remember where this was, but I read a I, I I read an article that there was like a Comic Con somewhere where basically everyone in attendance got like Legionnaires disease or something, which is just a nasty bacterial infection. Um, so you know, I I I don't think that any of us are like the stereotypical uh, comic book. MCU, DCEU, whatever fan, uh, but I, I I suppose by by missing the shower, I've I've taken my first uh, first step toward uh, toward going full neck beard for the podcast. So <laughs> please keep shaving or or <laughs> beard right now. I actually don't know what your facial hair situation is. I I and am. I'm 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 bearded, but I try to keep the neck pretty clean. Uh, to uh, again, just to to keep a bit of distance between my hobbies and some of the stereotypes that that it invites. Well, uh, from my memory, you grow good facial hair. So thank you. Keep keep it maintained. <laughs> Ryan, I don't remember if you grow good facial hair, but now I'm feeling very rude. That's okay. Uh, Ryan, Ryan grows fantastic scruff. I, I, I've never seen you go like full bearded. Well, I mean, I, I, I suppose I have. I, I guess you, you don't let it get 
very, very thick or very long. It's hard to tell sometimes because I'm constantly wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask just over <laughs> my beard region. Yes. And so you could kind of see like parts of it, but. Right. I don't even know if I grow a good facial hair. I. Th- 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 this will be the last uh, facial hair comment because I, I feel like this, <laughs> this bit is kind of dying on the vine. But when, when we were closer in proximity and saw each other with regularity, I, I was always very envious of how, how full facial hair you were able to grow. I mean, the um, part I don't have is the philtrum portion of my face, which is the uh, area between that like indentation on your lip in the middle. Mm. Oh! I have no hair there. And. Embarrassing. Yeah. So if I wanted a full mustache, I would have to just grow the sides of each portion of that under my nose so it covers up the. Uh, uh, the uh, middle part, and that would take a very long time. I'm running my finger over my philtrum, uh, and I'm 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 quite light there as well. Yeah. All right. I think it's key. Yeah. I mean that that was beard talk, folks. Uh, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> let let letting us test drive that new segment uh i don't know if it'll be around for episode 12 but that was beard talk i'll i'll um, come better prepared next time i i i, I kind of threw that curveball out in the air uh we, we 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 had some fun with it but we'll uh we'll, we'll, we'll continue on so as, as i mentioned we're doing age of ultron we are rapidly approaching the end of phase two of the marvel cinematic universe um I guess before before we dive headfirst into that, like, do you guys have any exciting news, anything you've seen or read that you want to discuss quickly? Mm, I, I oh, go ahead, Corey. I'm so excited for Moon Knight. I am one behind. I did not watch this week yet, but I'm loving it. It's I, I, the, the, these Disney Plus shows. I I feel like most of them I'm kind of frustrated by the end of episode three. I'm like, I don't know if this one's for me. And then episode four always just hooks me. Uh and and I'm totally in. So I'm with you. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it too. Um I did pick up that book that Davis had uh, mentioned, All the Marvels. I've been listening to the uh, audiobook version of it and very much enjoying it. He, I don't think I'll ever do what he does for those who don't know. He read every single Marvel comic and sort of like shares his opinions and like the history and where to start with certain characters and things like that. Um, I'm about halfway through and I feel like what I what connects with me is at the beginning he talks about all the spreadsheets he makes in order to like track everything he's reading and like kind of has this completionist attitude and to be clear he always says do not do what I did and do not start from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> um but that's something I often find myself doing is making like dumb little checklist spreadsheets of like 
how can I read every single issue of Spider-Man? And I don't know. I just really like that thought process that people have maybe because I'm an insane man. I love though, because I I've actually I think only read like the intro and then a couple of chapters. I haven't read much, mm-hmm. but I love how he basically is like, "Don't do what I did." Yeah, this was a- <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Shout out to uh, I, Douglas Walk or Walk. I don't really know how to pronounce his last name. W O L K. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> That's more worried, James. You're gonna come in with like, obviously, it's this. No, you don't want answers down here. Uh, You're, I you know. so yeah. I mean, Walk Walk. Maybe, maybe we'll have him on, and he can tell us about <laughs> his last name. And uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I I can't even imagine. Like he. I'm I'm pretty sure he said he read like what over two hundred fifty thousand issues I, or something. I don't think it was that much. I think it was more in like the twenty seven thousand range. Oh, okay. From I mean, what I, I, I guess, I I guess two hundred fifty thousand issues, approximately twenty one pages each. That would take like most of a lifetime. So you're 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 probably right. Uh, <laughs> but I. I I just I enjoy reading some of our like more foundational texts, first appearances, and everything. But I I think I would get discouraged uh, reading like years and years and years of that more kind of slightly hokey um, like all thoughts and all actions are given direct exposition through. Uh, through like narration style that that may grow a bit tiresome yeah <laughs> but again he did it so we didn't have to yeah so thank you mr wolf walk <laughs> i am curious that he mentioned that there are some like i don't remember what comic it was but he said there was like some comics that were exclusively through a service on america online that just don't exist anymore and no one backed them up or archived them in any way. (laughs) But I I can't uh, remember which one it is, but the fact that that exists is very interesting to me. This is beginning to remind me of the guy who asked Trisket why they were called Triscuits and they said, we don't know. And so then he like dove into a bunch of like microfilm and was like going through old advertisements and and finally found that like originally triscuits were uh were labeled as the like the the biscuit that's made with electricity so like triscuit electricity biscuit Ah, okay And, and so he went back to triscuit and said i think it's electricity biscuit and they were like you are correct (laughs) <laughs> and they sent him like six you have won my factory. My boy, you've done it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let, let's let's get him on the pod. Why not? Yeah. I, I feel like we've given him quite a bit of free pub. Yeah. The guy who found out why Triscuits were named that, come on the pod. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> both, both of them. We'll, we'll, we'll have a simultaneous interview. One question for one, one question for the other. And each can answer both. All right. Um, I, I just very quickly, like, right before logging on to record, Andrew Garfield announced that he is basically stepping away from acting for a period of time so that he can live a bit of a normal life. Um, and... I don't know how I feel about that. Didn't he already do that? Did he? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like for a while I didn't see him in a lot of stuff. (laughs) I, I think he is a tremendously talented actor, but I know that, like, Daniel Day-Lewis has basically just retired from acting, and he probably still has, like, a lot of serviceable years in him, uh, but he's basically just said he's he's done, like, he's not coming back. And so if this extends the overall career of Andrew Garfield, doing, like, a little bit of, uh, like, load management along the way, I'm totally for that. So happy trails, Andrew. We'll see you soon. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, I mean... For some reason, the only thing that came to my mind was welcome to Jurassic Park. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Garfield, we understand that you have stepped away from acting for a period of time to live a normal life. Welcome. (laughs) Jurassic Park. Um, yes, yeah. He he's he and Sir Richard Attenborough are gonna be hopping around for a bit. Um, and we wish him well on that. I would like to say that we haven't quite gotten there yet, but when we get to um, Thor three, this becomes exclusively a Jeff Goldblum fan club podcast, exclusively. Life uh, <laughs> finds a way. <laughs> I, well, we're, not I'm, I'm not, we're at Ultra. That's true. I, I, I'm excited to rewatch Thor 3 because, I don't know, in, in previous viewings, I kind of felt like Jeff Goldblum was was like a little too Jeff Goldblum. Like he, he was trying to be the version of Jeff Goldblum that we think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you trying to get murder? I was going to um, say, but I'm, but I'm the, the reason I'm excited to watch it again is because I'm open to being wrong. And I, I would love to watch it and say, Hey, he was, he was the exact right amount of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I would say that it's actually the director telling him to just be whatever he wants and that he tapped into he was directed to tap into jeff goldblum um so i'm feeling like that's correct and on a borderline heretical statement because taika can do no wrong and jeff goldblum can do no wrong um, so you be careful what you're saying i i i do since we since we kind of segued to Taika Waititi, I do want to shout out Our Flag Needs Death streaming on HBO Max. I, I just finished yeah. season one and it was very good. I I expected it to be funny. I did not expect it to be as heartfelt as it was. 
All right, so that was culture talk, and now we're going to move on to... Do people like uh, 16 minutes of preamble in a podcast? I do. I do, too. <laughs> I, I, I imagine it as you're, you're getting comfortable, uh, what, what, whether that's in a bed or a chair. Like, when I lay down at night, I have three or four positions that I sleep in, but I never know which is going to be the one that kind of gets me to the dream realm. And so I sit with one for a while. If it's not quite right, maybe I turn on my side. Maybe I fold <laughs> my legs up, you know? Maybe, maybe tonight it's fetal position. I never quite know. And so in those 16 minutes, we're giving listeners a little time to get comfortable. And maybe we're giving ourselves that time too. So I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in. That was beautiful. Now, everyone, you may remove the time to speed off the, the <laughs> podcast because we're about to talk about comics. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Myself and listening to this, I never remove two time speed, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I lived it, so I don't have to. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah, so. Like I've said three or four times now, we're doing Age of Ultron. Uh, we, we we had a couple different uh, readings. Uh, the first was Avengers 12.1, which kind of led into the Age of Ultron arc. Uh, Corey, I know you and I did some of the reading on this, but Ryan went all the way. So, it, Ryan, if you want to kind of take the reins and just share a little bit about uh, what what the Age of Ultron arc was. This obviously was one of the biggest inspirations for the movie uh, and kind of gave, gave the creative team some, some source material to work with. I'm actually going to say, let's talk about Avengers first, because I feel like that leads a little better into the, the uh, Age of Ultron arc. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so should we, I, I, I guess we'll just go chronological order. So we'll, we'll start with the Avengers 54 and 55, where we have the first appearance of Ultron. Um, or do you want to take this one or I can either way? I would love to. I actually wrote a little something. So Ooh, okay. Wow. William Shakespeare over here. Ooh. Well, maybe not comparing me to the bard. Because... <laughs> All right. Uh, so I kind of, we got Avengers 54 and 55 together, which are this first appearance of Ultron sec section. Um, and my first note is for a first villain appearance, this was surprisingly good, especially for a 1963. I don't have high hopes anymore for initial villain appearances, but this one, this is a fun one. It had a double twist that yes. was great and terrible. Uh, <laughs> but we start with the Avengers who have been sold. Um, so like in the beginning, first of all, we have a lot of Avengers. We have so many more Avengers than we're used to, including a lot of X-Men, which I love. Um, and they are sold out by their human butler named Jarvis, who is on loan from Tony Stark. So normally he's Tony's butler. He's been loaned to the Avengers to be their butler for a little while. <laughs> and 
He needs money for his mom because the Avengers slash Tony Stark don't pay well, apparently. And um, so he kind of like sells out the layout of their palace. I don't know what we would call it. Their home um, to the Crimson Cape and a group of baddies that he has assembled. Um, And the Crimson Cape, first of all, just, just like what a villain costume and name. Um, but turns out he is not just the Crimson Cape. He is also Jarvis in disguise. And that's where we bum, end. Bum, bum. <laughs> Thank you. I, I interrupted your uh, uh, little emphasis. But yes, it was this huge twist. Uh, Crimson Cape is Jarvis. Um, and then that's the end of 54. And then 55, we see at... Um, uh, Jarvis is not actually the Crimson Cape, but is Ultron, who, like, hypnotized Jarvis to make it seem like he hated the Avengers and was this, like, evil mastermind villain, but turns out it's actually Ultron, who is revealed as the true villain. Um, and I was really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, Jarvis did not sell them out, even though I don't really care about him. I felt really bad that he sold them out. Um, turns out, no, he did still sell them out. The only thing that he was tricked into doing was pretending to be um, the Crimson Cape. And so the whole selling out, still real. Um, and then, spoiler alert, the Avengers stop Ultron. They got him. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that was Avengers 54 and 55. Not so we we move from the first appearance of Ultron to the first appearance of Vision in Avengers fifty seven. So, um, there there there's there's one one issue separating uh, kind of that that first arc to to this one, and not surprisingly, Ultron is using a lot of his same uh, same dirty tricks along the way. Uh, we. The, the issue opens where we have um, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne and Hank leaves the leaves the apartment for some reason uh, just just to be out in the rain. Uh, Janet is upset because she was really hoping that that was the night that Hank was going to propose. Uh, but instead, she's greeted by a an unwelcome guest who ends up being uh, a dark vision. Yes, a, a vision of death. Um, <laughs> this is kind of the, the vision that we know and love, but he is acting very erratically. Uh, he's he's attacking, haunting Janet. Uh, she, she tries to escape using her, her powers as the wasp but is followed by vision as he's able to walk through walls and, and all sorts of other things. Um, long story short, his, his kidnapping or attack is, is thwarted by, uh, by Hank and other Avengers who. Flash kind of, nothing. Just I'm faint. sorry. Flash nothing. He just like faints. They're like, why did he stop? Oh yes. I, I, totally forgot to mention he was like using his his head beam and then just like got knocked out cold and janet was like oh well okay that was um 
great. Uh, <laughs> Hank, Hank, not knowing that Janet was safe, decides to go King Kong, it, Goliath mode, and just climb up the building. Uh, what one of my favorite panels while we're reading is him him climbing in front of a window, a woman fainting by what she's seeing, and him saying something like, "Oops." I forgot that most people aren't used to seeing giant men climbing up the uh, <laughs> climbing up the the apartment building outside their window. Um, anyhow, visions out cold. The Avenger some, some of the Avengers gather to try and figure out what is the matter. When when Vision comes to, he is filled with rage. He's like, "Avengers, I must stop you. I must defeat you. I must kill you." They're like, "Hey, man, what what did we do? What's going on?" It's like, ah, you're right. I have no reason to hate you, to, to track you down. Yet I do. And he says, why would I? Ah, it must be that I have been hypnotized by Ultron. And I, I'm, I'm, didn't they call him like Ultron 5 or something? Yeah, they did. Okay. I forgot about that. Uh, um, yeah. One of my favorite panels from this is when Vision is trying to remember... Uh, why he's attacking and someone says to him you've got to remember vision so we can be friends not deadly enemies <laughs> okay this whole thing i have several things written down where this one really feels i don't know why i'm cutting into the summary because i'm against that but um like the the wording kind of feels like a, a 60s version of the jokes and banter that we have in the movies mm, really yeah I, I do love the line by uh, Giant Man as well. Ultron 5 has more kinds of androids than Andy Warhol has soup cans. Gosh. <laughs> there, oh. I, there, there, there was another groan-inducing line like that um, some, somewhere in, this, in these readings. I, I can't remember which it was from, but yeah, many... Uh, I don't know. Mi Many, many lines like that who, that that could have been written by Joss Whedon himself. Uh, but <laughs> it, anyhow, Vision v Vision eventually realizes that he is under the the control of of Ultron and tries to kind of break break that spell. So we it, it, initially it was a little touch and go, but fortunately the the Vision that we know is is still the the good guy deep down. Uh, in the comic books as well. And that's, I mean, we, we, we've got Ultron, we've got Vision, uh, many, many years before we get Age of Ultron, the, uh, the comic book that kind of, again, sets, sets this narrative in motion. Uh, so Ryan, if you want to so, kind of paint in some of the details. Yeah. Um, so some important things to know that happen along the way is we, of course, find out in Avengers 57 that Vision was created by Ultron to kill the Avengers. Um, but there's some vague hints that uh, of who created Ultron. They kind of like tease it during the episode. Also, we didn't talk about the, uh, the thing... At the very end of Avengers 57, where they uh, quote that one story while 
a boy kicks uh, Ultron's head. <laughs> yes, Ozymandias. Yes, which reminded me of uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs because it's the one where the the amputee he recites it a million times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I I can't believe how many references. So it, it, it's originally a poem by Percy Shelley. Basically, this guy's wandering in the desert. He sees n- nothing but desert, uh, and, and and he sees a small nameplate or something that says like, "I I am Ozymandias, King of Kings. Uh, look look upon my works, ye mighty in despair." And oh, made it. He thought oh, like you, everyone will look out. You cut out for a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Which was just like such a cliffhanger. <laughs> where, where, where did I cut out? Uh, right after he sees the nameplate. Oh, it says, I am Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Uh, or something like that. But the, the, the idea is when, when it was constructed, you know, all, all, the, all the other mighty rulers of the world would look at this great empire that Ozymandias had created and would despair because they'd never be as cool as him. But when this guy was wandering in the desert, he just saw, you know, mounds of sand. Uh, and, and, and that was what the legacy of this once mighty Ozymandias had become. And so some, some pauper, some little kid uh, kicking... Ultron's head down the street, I, I I assume was was designed to uh, invoke that that same that same idea that the the once great Ultron, Ultron Five even, there were four four before him who were not as mighty, uh, but Ultron Five would reach this I don't know level of power and fame and true poetry. Even with that, yeah, even with that, some little kid would be kicking his head down the street someday. (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, it is eventually revealed that uh, Hank Pym, the Ant-Man who later becomes the Giant-Man, is the creator of Ultron. What a hoe. He said Ultron. Hank, what you doing? Well, I he does seem genuinely confused, and maybe I'll have to look on look more into this. Or if one of you could uh, Google really quick. Yeah, I it kind of seems like he in the Avengers we read. It seems like he is trying to like create AI technology, but doesn't think he's quite got there. Um, and so my understanding was that he accidentally created Ultron. Yes, it says Hank Pym is his creator and he didn't even know it. Okay. So that answers that question. Um, but that is sort of a central point to Age of Ultron. So as we know in the movie, uh, Iron Man and the Hulk create Ultron intentionally. Uh, Well, they think it's a good thing. Unintentionally, it becomes a bad thing. Uh, But before I get into that, I want to read a quote from Wikipedia. Uh, 
uh, that is referencing the film Avengers Age of Ultron uh, in reference to the comic book storyline, which says, The Marvel Cinematic Universe film Avengers Age of Ultron features Ultron as the titular main antagonist, but the film is not based on the comic book, simply borrowing its title. Nevertheless, the film does include a similarity from the comic, where the wherein the Avengers are driven underground by Ultron. So, basically, I read this whole thing, and it doesn't even really have anything to do with the movie. But what I discovered was, I really like this comic. And they do kind of hint at this comic in the What If series. Uh, from 2021 on Disney Plus, uh, the episode where they, where Ultron wins, and Black Widow's kind of mm. running away from yeah. Ultron, and they inject uh, via USB the uh, Doctor Arnim Zola. Yes, Doctor Arnim Zola. Um, but just to summarize this as quickly as possible. Basically, the Mensa of supervillains uh, who think of themselves as very smart uh, <laughs> villains, they discover an energy signature, and it ends up being an Ultron, which they inadvertently activate. And that leads us to Age of Ultron number one, where we find out that after this, Ultron has basically taken over the entire earth and that there's some Avengers left over who were kind of um, kind of hunkering down trying to figure out how to beat him um, they figure out that Ultron is taking deals for some reason so he's willing to like uh, take prisoners in exchange for power and things like that. And so they kind of do a, a mini heist where they bring uh, She-Hulk over to offer to Ultron for uh, some power. And they find out that Ultron has hacked into Vision and is through the future kind of... Uh, controlling uh his past self or the vision uh keep in mind i'm no expert as i explain this so i am doing the best i can to summarize it but essentially ultron is uh kind of transmitting his will from the future and figuring out how to defeat everybody and taking over and so the avengers uh, another team finds out about a secret base that uh, Nick Fury kind of established for these kind of end of world scenarios and they kind of all find their way there um, and find a time machine there and it becomes a time travel story where they go to the future to stop Ultron but uh, what they don't know is that Wolverine stays behind and actually goes to the past with the intention of killing Hank Pym to stop him from ever creating Ultron. 
Such a boss move. <laughs> uh, because he thinks that the science types won't listen, which I think kind of comes from... Uh, they kind of adapted that for the movie where uh, Iron Man is... He doesn't want to hear anybody talking about like the consequences of his actions. He's doing it for the sake of science. Blah, blah, blah. Um, little does he know he's followed by the Invisible Woman, Susan Storm. Or Susan Richards, I guess. Um, and she is trying to convince him to not do it. But Wolverine reminds her that he killed her husband and children. And then just kind of watches him kill uh, Hank Pym. <laughs> and which, uh, to foreshadow, Davis told me that people didn't really like this. Um, and I kind of wondered if that was one of the things, because I know people don't typically like when a character does something that seems a bit out of the ordinary, which I think this was one of those things. Um, yes. I, I I was just gonna say so I I came across a review that surprisingly gave it two out of five stars, but absolutely ripped this uh, this collection. Okay. Um, but did not mention that. Okay. This person just really hates Hank Pym. Okay. I which is funny to me because Hank Pym doesn't really. Uh, come into play in this story too much other than being killed <laughs> i'm 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 happy to read re read some of this review if you'd like well let me let me try to get through oh please this please. summary I'm, first I'm uh cory were you gonna say something i'm just gonna be like i don't know if i love hang pim either I i'm hearing a lot of things about him fair <laughs> well i'm excited to hear those things but essentially what happens is Wolverine and Susan Storm go back to the future only to find a worse future. Well, a slightly better future, you you could say. Uh, but in this, uh, in this future, the uh, Kree-Scroll War... Uh, plays out differently where the scrolls win and they come to earth. And then that leads to, uh, Morgan Le Fay, who is a, uh, kind of like a mythical witch lady from the Excalibur series. Uh, she's found a way to conquer half the world. And now there's a subset of Avengers that, uh, is trying to prepare for her like final attack on them. And I forget what happened, but something happened to Iron Man's face where it just kind of like melted away. And Whoa. so there's like, uh, but Wolverine justifies this by saying, <laughs> <laughs> by saying at least they're alive in this future until they basically die <laughs> at the during their visit to that alternate future in which the Wolverine of that future goes back in time to convince the other Wolverine not to kill Hank Pym. And uh, 
the solution to all of this ends up being they brainwash Hank Pym so he doesn't remember doing this, but they want the future to play out exactly the same until Ultron takes over the world. And so they kind of write a backdoor code that Hank Pym only remembers right before uh, Ultron kind of takes over and he kind of exploits that backdoor code and Ultron kind of fizzles out and dies. What? Um, that all being said, I liked this. <laughs> And I, I had a good time. I, I'm a sucker for like alternate timelines and like weird futures and like, oh, if one slight thing changed, this whole thing unravels in this future kind of. Uh, and of course, I had like a my my summary was a very brief, brief summary, but I don't know. That was basically basically Age of Ultron, the comic book. <laughs> Well, thank you. So, uh, number one, Wolverine would kill baby Hitler. We 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 know this now. Um, and number two, so I I read Avengers twelve point one, which is kind of like the road to Age of Ultron, and um, the intelligentsia that that group of super super villains who like considered themselves the smartest definitely my favorite like big bad group now they, <laughs> they 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 like they they were basically talking about how like we've prepared for every possible outcome you can't possibly hurt us like you know we we've we've captured one of the avengers we know the avengers will come after us we're not scared and then just get absolutely toasted by the by, by the avengers when they show up i mean they're they're getting like tossed around from room to room some of them surrender almost immediately and just feeling like you're the smartest person in the room at, but walking into that room with like a piece of toilet paper hanging from your uh, from your shoe <laughs> is amazing so i love the intelligentsia just for reference intelligentsia are the leader from hulk modok from Modoc stuff, <laughs> the big head guy, um, Mad Thinker from Fantastic Four, Wizard from Fantastic Four, and then Red Ghost, which I don't remember what he's from, but his name's Red Ghost. That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, hit me with uh, your thoughts on Hank Pym and this these bad reviews. Oh. No, okay. that was. Oh, oh yeah, no, Davis, that's oh. what you. I was like, I have no real opinion. I just, how did he make Ultron? He sounds like a dummy. Davis, read the review. My, Michael Douglas threw Catherine Zeta-Jones under the bus for his throat cancer, so I, 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 I don't like Hank Pym because of that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Otherworld on on Goodreads has has the most helpful review or the most liked review, and he's. So he wrote this in 2013. So pre-movie, uh, he said, like a lot of people, I picked up this graphic novel after hearing that the next Avengers movie was was to have Ultron as its antagonist, and this was a character I knew nothing about. And like a lot of people, I am sincerely hoping that someone sent a copy to Joss Whedon saying, quote, 
whatever you do, do not make a movie based on this pile of crap, close quote. Uh, Ultron, for those not in the know, is a sentient robot created by Dr. Hank Pym, who unwisely forgets to program the three laws of robotics into his creation. Needless to say, Ultron then goes all Skynet on our asses and has been a major pain in the Marvel Universe for decades. Pym, also for those not in the know, is one of a long line of brilliant, arrogant scientists who collectively have less common sense than my cat, who is already the stupidest cat on the planet. He also happens to be a superhero who has done a lot of good, but is also a wife-beating jerk and creator of aforementioned homicidal robot. I'll skip some of the... uh, summary and he says there's quite a lot else that happens on the way but i can't be bothered to talk about them because they are not that interesting at the end the heroes appear to have successfully persuaded henry pym to not create ultron but with him being a jerkwad he decides to create something else that's probably going to be even worse he has therefore learned nothing and from these experiences and yet again uh marvel comics gives real scientists a bad name oh and for a book called age of ultron the character itself barely appears Really, how could Marvel Comics continue to get things so wrong when the Marvel films are doing everything so well? I would like to think that one can learn from the other, but knowing my luck, it will just be the film film division learning from the comics. And judging by this effort, that would be a disastrous mistake. So that's... Yeah, that's that's what Otherworld thought. That is true that there's not a lot of Ultron in this. It is mostly like... You see glimpses of Ultron, but he doesn't really talk. You just kind of see robots like destroying stuff until they go back in time. And then basically the last issue is when you kind of see robot or Ultron, as I should say, (laughs) or robot. Um, Robot. (laughs) um, Go ahead. is Is it clear in the comic books that Ultron is voiced by James Spader, or is that kind of left to the imagination? No, they say, please imagine the voice of Robert California in the the notes. (laughs) I'm the bleeping lizard king. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one thing that I do feel like Marvel should start doing is just really explicitly turning characters that into people they want to play those characters just just mm. start drawing them to look identical to real people <laughs> like like dave bautista looking exactly like chronos or whatever that guy's <laughs> name was have just already worked out but let's just get really specific now fair enough yeah I, why why does that drawing of Squirrel Girl look like Joaquin Phoenix? <laughs> I mean, it, it would it would be a bold take, but I think he's up for the role. He can't back out. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> on 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 this note, uh, I did realize last night again as I was shifting between sleeping positions trying to find one that would finally uh, blessedly release me of my conscious state. (laughs) Um, And it dawned on me, Princess Fiona in Shrek looks exactly like Cameron Diaz, just with red hair. And I feel like there was a time in animation where they 
just kind of like took the voice actor, especially if they were like a well-known film actor and just animated them to look as close to that person as they could without, without like breaking the wall. Um, I feel the same way about Will Smith in a shark tale. And I'm pretty sure what's her name. Um, Scarlett Johansson is in that as well. Whoever the sexy fish is, it looks like that person. (laughs) Sexy fish. (laughs) I I should be more specific because there were a lot of sexy fishes. The female sexy fish. Oh, it was it was Angelina Jolie. That fish looks exactly like Angelina Jolie. (laughs) Holy cow! Martin Scorsese lended his voice in that movie. What? Was he a shark? I don't know. I'm not sure who Sykes is. I'm assuming that was like one of the head sharks. I that was the shark that was a vegetarian, right? I feel like it would be the boss shark. Think you're thinking of Finding Nemo, but I'm... Am I thinking of Finding Nemo? Oh my, oh my God. gosh. Sykes, Sykes, Sykes is a puffer fish who does indeed look exactly like Martin Scorsese. <laughs> He has huge eyebrows. Look he... at this up right now. Okay, yeah. I can Sykes, see it. Also known as Mr. Sykes or Puff Daddy, is one of the main characters of Shark Tale. He's one of Don Lino's former henchmen. Uh, Ernie and Bernie's leader and boss, and Oscar's former boss and current co-manager. Wow. Man. It, it, it's crazy what some... like. Hollywood types will what what kind of roles they'll take later in life uh, because they just kind of either want to do something different or want their grandkids or kids to be excited about them being in a certain thing. And I feel like that was probably the latter for uh, for Martin Scorsese taking that. Fair. Or the paycheck. What's that? Paycheck. Uh, I suppose. That he could have just been paid, could have just been chasing a check, but I don't know. I, I I don't I don't see Scorsese as like the kind of person to have financial trouble. He's only oh, interested in art. So true, so true. <laughs> but once we watched the movie, um, what were we talking about? Yeah. Can I, I, I do want to say something, one more thing about Age of Ultron. Please. So, Age of Ultron, written by Brian Michael Bendis. I feel like the mid, not the mid, but just like the 2000s, Brian Michael Bendis was the it writer in comics and wrote for the Avengers for a very long time. And... Most things that I've read from him have been like a good modern take on like compared to like what you see in the 90s. It's still kind of like emulating in a sense the kind of like melodrama of the 60s and 70s in comics. Uh, but, But it's like slowly evolving. I But Brian Michael Bendis, I kind of feel like was one of like the bigger like modern comics writers where it's closer to what we see today. And I, I could be wrong. If you're a comic guy, please tell me I'm wrong because 
this is just my understanding, but everything I've read by him has been good to me. But for example, he wrote Secret Invasion, which I read, but I could tell that I wasn't getting the full story by not also reading the Avengers at the same time. Mm. Which I, I think is kind of key with some of these big event things. Uh, because there's been a few comics I've read where I've read like a big event and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then I read kind of like the series that corresponds with it. And then I'm like, okay, it was meant to kind of be read with like everything in mind that you've been reading for a while. Um, yeah. And so I kind of wonder if some people didn't like that because of this or didn't like this because of that. Uh, and this is also kind of the last thing that Brian Michael Bendis writes uh, after it's a little bit after he ends his run on Avengers. And so I, it, that that's when he starts on X-Men. And so I, I kind of wonder if this kind of ties into like his like years long stint riding on adventure uh, on avengers um a little bit more than i would know hmm. I, I i i go back and forth on on like the um the payoff like you know b building towards these huge comic events and 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 wanting there to be like a rich story that's kind of told between a few different uh, series, then also just wanting to be able to buy a trade paperback and and read it and understand what's going on. Um, and I don't know if this is like a more um like 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 a more contemporary thing. I I, I appreciate that. It seems more, more recent uh, releases tend to tell like at least a somewhat self-contained story, and then offer the option: Hey, if you're interested in this thing, you can read this other collection that that we've put together that like explores certain things more deeply. Uh, but you don't. It, it it it's not like required reading or you're you're not missing big chunks of of this central story to uh to only read you know this one thing that you've bought so yeah i i, I well, go, go go ahead i i think that i uh i'm okay with it if that's the only thing i'm reading like if i know when like a big event starts and i kind of look up the secret invasion reading guide for instance uh-huh like if those are the, if those are the only comics i'm buying from start to finish it's a very rewarding experience but if i'm kind of like skipping around and i'm like oh i like this but i'll come back to it later and read mm, this batman yeah. comic i feel like it does kind of lose it's a entertainment value to me a little more. It's a weird thing. I don't normally love the old stuff, but I do like how, especially Stan, um, will put in little notes 
to kind of like explain or to be like read it here or like for the he had a really cheeky one and one of the ones that we read that was basically like if you're too silly to like not have read these this is what this means they, they don't really do as much anymore they don't give those little hints or explainers Cause, like, some do have, some do okay yeah I think certain certain writers will do that, but I think they have more of affinity for Stan Lee kind of style stuff. Uh, in, in in our readings, I can't remember if it was like Sneaky Stan or Sly Stan or something, but he he was being very cheeky with his sign offs. Uh, to to Corey's point, like he gave himself some sort of nickname, which is either a boss move or kind of lame, depending <laughs> on who you ask. Yeah, I think that's actually what made them pretty popular, is they kind of personified themselves in, like, the title pages and stuff like that. There was, There's one that, like, Artie Simic, he always gets the shaft in his nicknames every time I read it. <laughs> and I always wonder about him, like, what was the deal? Are they? Is he okay with them saying like he's like the least of them all? <laughs> he he's he's permitted to be considered one of the great ones, but he is the least of the great ones. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Should we dive into the movie? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, let, let, let's do it. So, Age of Ultron uh, dropped in 2015, uh, had a release date of May 1st, 2015, when Tony Stark, played by Robert Downey Jr., jumpstarts a dormant peacekeeping program, things go terribly awry, forcing him, Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, the Incredible Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, and the rest of the Avengers to reassemble. Interesting that that was the uh, tree that they picked. Anyway, as the fate of the Earth hangs in the balance, the team is put to the ultimate test as they battle Ultron, a technological terror hellbent on human extinction. Along the way, they encounter two mysterious and powerful newcomers, Pietro and Wanda Maximoff. Uh, this was directed by the directorial genius, Joss Whedon. It had a budget of uh, nearly j just about three or 500 million, uh, and it made 1.4 billion in the box office so uh we, we we talked about how to go about this we we decided maybe the best way is just to kind of break the movie up into small chunks and and talk about some of our initial impressions i i i don't know if everyone feels this way i didn't have a ton of like big discussion points that i wanted to draw out but there were quite a few things that caught my eye uh, while I was watching the movie. The first of which being, I think that this, like the, the opening scene to this movie might be the coolest or most iconic Avengers scene in my mind when when, when they're infiltrating um, Count Cookie Baron or, or whatever his name is. Uh, Baron his Von Strucker. <laughs> of course, Von Strucker. Um Paying you back for the uh, Arnim Zola, of course. Shout out. <laughs> so, so they're 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 all you know doing their thing, and then there there's that scene where they're all like flying through the air at the same time, and it's a near freeze frame. 
very, very cool in my mind. And I think that that is more iconic, at least to me, than when they're going back to back right outside Grand Central Station in the original Avengers movie. Definitely. I agree. This I, is a, this is a scene that I think of. It is not what I think of. Not really. Yeah, it's it's good. But it's it's not something that I like think of. I more think of the first Avengers movie where they pan the camera around them as they all kind of drop down. So it, it it's it's great, but it's the least of the great ones. Yeah, this one I will admit, seeing this scene, I'm like, all right, I'm in for this movie. <laughs> Good. Okay, so it caught you. Yes, but not to spoil anything, but I don't like this movie. <laughs> um, I one one of the things that kept slapping me across the face was I I I felt like every joke, um, or many of the jokes were. We're all jockeying to be one of the gags that was going to be in the trailer. So the one that really hurt, and by the way, Kobe Smulders didn't get a good line in the entire movie. All of hers were just like PU stinkers. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, they're talking about uh, the, the twins, Pietro and Wanda. And they, they say like, she has telekinetic and abilities, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he has whatever. Yes. And then, and, and Hawkeye's like, huh? And she says, he's fast and she's weird. And I'm just. So weird. Just okay. Wait, audible groans. Why the weird? Why the weird? To, um, to try. I've got go, some go trivia ahead, that, that could explain the Kobe Smolder stuff. Oh no. Was she riffing? Uh, here's, here's the quote from IMDb trivia. Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth have stated in separate interviews that Joss Whedon, uh, initially hadn't told them the arc of the plot with Evans claiming that he didn't even know the title of the film until the official announcement at Comic-Con. Additionally, Hemsworth and Kobe Smulders have both admitted to not knowing who Ultron is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy it's Joss Whedon's fault. That that just makes it better. <laughs> I I just I don't know, man. I mean, I like Ryan. Uh, un un unless we want to do some sort of debate. In which case, I will say that this is a good movie. I, Why, Davis? Why would you say that? I, I did not like this movie. I It's got the classic Marvel stamp of approval for me, though, where they've just really dug into that this is canon. And so there's a lot of things that pay off later that are established in this movie. Which I do and, appreciate. So some of the things that I was 
having trouble with is I think they established some things really well, and this is like some of the places where I think they did really good things, and then other things I'm really annoyed at. Um, should, should we just air our thoughts instead of going through the plot, or should we go plot and we can air our thoughts as we go? Uh, up to you. I I feel confident enough that I could give like a five to ten sentence summary of this whole movie. Ooh, okay, do it. Okay. Um, they go to Baron Von Strucker's house. Then they get the Infinity Stone out of Loki's staff and Kriya Ultron with that. Uh, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner do it in secret because they don't want people being mad at them. Um... Or they don't want to be told no, essentially, I guess, is the real reason. That backfires because they're creating a robot for peace, but he interprets that as humans are the cause of why there's no peace and everything must be destroyed. Uh, the Avengers get their butts handed to them. Then they kind of have to hide and, like, figure stuff out. Um... Also, beforehand, there's a party. Um, and then, essentially, they kind of have to get information from the Claw guy, Ulysses S. Claw, uh, while they find out that the Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver have joined Ultron's team, thinking that getting rid of the Avengers is a good thing until they find out that Ultron plans to get rid of everybody. And then they join the Avengers. Uh, a bunch of Ultron bots go around. They create Vision. Vision can hold Thor's hammer, so they're like, okay, this guy's good. We also find out Hawkeye is a secret family. This is way over ten sentences, but... Essentially, Ultron... Uh, lifts a big piece of land out of the sky and is going to drop it on the earth to destroy a large chunk of the earth. Um, but they kind of fight all these Ultron bots that are flying around destroying stuff and then Vision essentially just helps them destroy Ultron and Ultron is done. There are many other details, but I'm sure many people listening to this have watch this movie and they'll probably remember those other details. Um, okay. Now Davis, I want to hear why you don't like the movie. What are, okay. what are your He's got increased metabolism and improved thermal homeostasis. Her thing is neuroelectric interfacing telekinesis, mental manipulation. <laughs> He's fast and she's weird. <laughs> Um, all right, here's what I don't like about this movie. First off, the CGI, so th things that are pure CGI, Iron Man, like fighting Ultron, looks good, right? Mm -hmm. Mixed media CGI, namely, uh, namely Scarlet Witch, it looks like dog crap, like so 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 bad i i i i thought 
you could have told me that this movie came out in 2009 uh and and i would have believed you specifically when when we're like first seeing them there there was a scene where they literally like to show wanda's abilities they just recorded her walking through a door and then played it in reverse and and, and made her hands glow and the door closed behind her this cgi was so bad and it's also so bad when the title screen comes up i i don't know what was going on but like like i said this movie cost nearly half a billion dollars to make and some of the cgi was embarrassing um i <laughs> I, I I also didn't like the number of soy face moments that this that that this movie had, like like Hulk versus Big Iron Man or whatever. There there were there were a number of things, and like the like Thor Thor's hammer was was okay, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, there were just too many moments where neck beards like me would be like oh. <laughs> like so much wish fulfillment going on in this movie um i also hated 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 the the love story between natasha and bruce banner like how many times joss whedon tried to cram that thing into the script everyone was talking about like you two are cute together what 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 do you mean natasha and uh like natasha and bruce Clint, you don't see it. I'll tell you when you're older. Uh, Nick Fury at the end, talking talking to Black Widow. She's like, "You sent me to recruit him. Did you know that this would happen?" Well, you never know. But you do your best and you hope. They they just they did so so much, and then Marvel just completely ignored it after this movie. Like. The, the 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 romance started in this movie and then was dead at the end of this movie um and then finally number not not the number one thing that i hate but a thing that i really 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 hate and joss whedon does this in every single superhero movie that he does tries to personalize the big conflict going on by going back to usually a blonde woman. He did it in Avengers. In his version of Justice League, there was the uh, Russian family just outside the big place. I don't know, the, the, the doomsday place. And in this one, there was some random blonde woman who, uh, who, who he kept showing. She was in like a little cafe or something. She was, I guess, the mother of the kid who was trapped and then as soon as Clint got over there, we realized that even though he's like trying to hold on to the gate, he's just sitting there on his butt, like literally nothing stopping him from just standing up and walking over to the little helipad. I, I, I could go on, but I just, there were, there were a few things where I think Marvel jumped the shark and got like a little too Marvel-y, but there were a lot of things that were just so Joss Whedon. The the cringe dialogue, like the dialogue that reminded me of these 
awful gags in the comic books. And then that stupid, stupid thing where it's like, <laughs> hey, there's a big fight going on. Let's keep panning to some random person and see 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 what it's like for them making the audience think that, oh, is this going to be another hero? Is this person going to die? No, we're just trying to show the conflict through another lens that isn't the super, super people. Uh, Davis. Language. <sighs> what did I say? Oh, stupid? I'm sorry. That's okay. I was just oh, re- darn it, referring to everybody's favorite joke in the movie. Yes. Where oh, they... I wrote that down because I was like, stop referencing it. <laughs> I, I feel like Josh Whedon just kept, like, he was like, these are my five jokes. Let's see how many times I can throw them in there. Um, I, I think you really did a good job of encapsulating, Davis, how, like, I felt like this movie was just overburdened with so many ideas that were constantly being shoved down our throats. And like overwhelming the whole story. I didn't even mention that Vision didn't have a penis. <laughs> didn't okay. <laughs> and in my notes, when Vision comes up, I say, "What? Where's the penis?" I literally wrote that down. <laughs> Not an- anatomically correct. How well, can you be a man? I I was sitting minding my own business one night last week. <laughs> <laughs> when I got a uh, a Snapchat notification on my phone from no other than Davis Blount, uh, filming the scene where <laughs> uh, Vision emerges from his cocoon, uh, referencing that it would have been better with a penis. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm really sad this moment is over, so we can't nearly <laughs> as much as we have. I'm sure that Davis will find a way to reference it in future episodes. I can promise. <laughs> um, yeah, Corey, give it, give us more of your thoughts on on this movie. Okay, so let me just go on my own um, vent rant for a moment. Okay, oh, before I get venting, the other thing that I wrote down from that scene when Vision emerges is when he makes eye contact with. Scarlet Witch, and she makes eye contact with him, and I'm just like, true love! Like, you can just see her eyes! She just knows. Love! Um, Okay, but the things... So first, I have copious notes of the different times in which I hated and was starting to be okay with Hulk and Black Widow. Okay. Because in the beginning, I'm like, why the hell have they spent all of these movies, every single movie that Black Widow is in, she gets a new love interest that they try. They just, like, try her with every single man. They're like, what about this one? What about this one? Well, maybe this. Let's just throw her at every guy. <laughs> See which one sticks. And so I was really annoyed when it started. And then kind of towards the end, like, when she she's, like, I can't remember what she says. It was really cute. And then she, like, shoved him and was like, but we need the other guy. I was like, this... That was messed up. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I adore you. I, yes, I adore you, but we need the other guy. (laughs) I, I do feel like that kind of got to a point that felt, like, real for the character. Just, like, her being really conflicted of... Like, I want a real life, but this is, you know, this is what's happening, and I have to, like, force bad decisions or, like, not the best decisions on people. 
Um, and like, I don't get to choose things for myself. But and I was like, how dare you try to get this to a good place and never use it again? That, that made me more mad. Do you think when Scar or when uh, Black Widow pushes Hulk off to get the Hulk to to appear, it's like the sitcom equivalent of the wife making her yeah. husband eat rice cakes and saying, "You'll thank me later." Oh yeah, no, it's like a hundred percent the shrew wife. Okay, <laughs> like exactly. Which is frustrating, and I think with a different storyteller, that could have been a much more, like, you could have had a lot of the same beats of this movie, made it a lot more nuanced and fun, and real, and that just, like, felt like a gimmick because of who was telling the story and how, like, it was also, like, shoved in with so many other things. Yeah. Uh, next thing bugged me and then almost okay I think this is what kept happening is I was so annoyed by everything and then was like okay maybe maybe this is okay because you've worn me down <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was Thor and the hammer um I feel like they were just trying to make that gag work so much um with like the the hammer and I feel like that would have actually like had a better payoff when Vision grabs it if we saw a little bit more of like Thor's experience like seeing the future like I feel like that was just a moment that was swept away amidst everything else like his whole excursion to go find out what they need to do so was just yeah. just to interject here's what here's my thoughts on that whole thing was Scarlet Witch making people see their own fears or giving them premonitions of the future? Or what was going on there? Because both Tony and Thor were like, this is real. I have to act on this now. So I was under the impression that Tony's was like fear and uh Thor's started out as fear but fear but then when he got back with uh Dr. Eric Selvig um, Selvig thank you he like he found some mythical pond that like connects the realms and the I, I, I don't know I I've, I've never really understood the lore behind him getting into that pool and like sending his lightning up and, and, and seeing the vision. But I think it was I, I just was... a Swedish bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, they did have ABBA playing in the background, but they had to cut <laughs> it for copyright reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I, I, I didn't realize until this viewing of it, how significant like, Thor's vision was for for the future of the MCU, like just about, hey, we've got all these Infinity Stones, like a bunch are out, blah blah blah. But because it's such a throwaway, they jammed it in and didn't give yes. it space. It was very infuriating. I like the first few times that I watched this, I just thought that that was a scene so that Chris Hemsworth could take his shirt off, and like, and, like I mean, that that was the point of it. It's not 
not a scene for Chris Hemsworth to just take his shirt out. Okay, I would like to mark in time, though. I think he's too big, starting right now. Starting this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it, so we'll it, come back to that another day. Yep. But it's been noted. Mark it. <laughs> I I wish there was like a a timeline of like comparing him to what size animal he is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, and like sure, surely on mass weight. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean like the width, but just like the weight. Yeah. In the first movie, he's about thirty bunnies, but then <laughs> in the next one, he's about two wolves and. <laughs> I like that there's random denominations. <laughs> I'm trying to find an animal, animal that's like the closest in size. No, we're slow in numbers. <laughs> uh, but back to Scarlet Witch, I personally think they're all based out of fear, and he just has this like, I want to go find out the truth. Mm, and okay. so he goes and seeks out a source of like actual truth. Um, and, sh and that, like, Scarlet Witch is just twisting their own insecurities and fears about the future. Um, oh, this is the, okay, this is actually reminding me of one of the other rants that I want to go on, and that is how, do we not have, like, like, I don't feel like there's enough irony and, um, hate on Tony for turning, like, for creating something that was exactly what they tried to stop in the last movie where everyone got together and like destroyed shield and that was like that felt like such a huge moment and then this movie is like the first time we kind of come back to that it's it once again feels like it like went too fast we didn't have a moment to talk about that or think about it it was kind of like shield's not here and then it's back um and tony is creating the thing that we tried to destroy that was going to ruin the world and he's going to do it himself instead um yeah. yeah, like, that could have been the whole movie. There could have been nothing else happening. Just everyone yelling at Tony. Uh, I think overall, my annoyance is that Joss Whedon shoved seven movies in one and didn't do anything well. Then, well, I mean... <laughs> go ahead, I, I, it, Like, just, th th this was his last shot. He, he had to get everything he could in. Uh, uh, you're so forgetting did. the Justice Weed League, whatever they call it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was his last shot, I think. Oh, I guess. Um, um, what? Thing, oh, go ahead, Corey. I was going to say one thing that I am so happy that he wasn't able to ruin is Scarlet Witch. Because there were several times where I was like, this is not doing her justice. Like, why? Is, it's so infuriating, like, seeing the beginnings of her because she becomes so incredible and she is by far and away my favorite character. So maybe I'm just a little obsessed, but I'm like, ha, you couldn't ruin this. Even though you didn't do a very good job, she's still awesome. Wow, Corey. Rick Silver gave his life to save a <laughs> random Sokovian boy, and he can't even be your favorite for this movie? No, I mean... Jeez. So we all know I'm a twin, right? Yes. This is a surprise reveal for the listeners, though. Just kidding. I feel like most listeners are my family who know of my twin. <laughs> um, well, this is years from now when the only thing that survives in this civilization is our podcast. <laughs> what a twist! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. 
they're learning of the concept of twins for the first time right now. Well, parallel to Age of Ultron because twins um, and the end of the world. Every time that moment absolutely kills me. I don't feel like it's necessarily done super well, but I'm just like, no, twins can't die. This is not okay. It's very upsetting every time. Can I share a small grievance? Um, <laughs> Only a small one. So earlier in the movie, Quicksilver stymies Hawkeye and says, Bet you didn't see that coming. And then when he heroically gives his life to save Hawkeye and the annoying kid who could have easily walked over by himself, he says... You didn't see that coming. Why not just make it a complete mirror and say, bet you didn't see that coming? It bugged me. I have a different annoyance with that line. Um, <laughs> I, oh, and, uh, what's his face? I'm pretty sure it was Captain America who has the almost cool and partially annoying line of like, if you get shot or like if you die, get up walk and it off. Yeah, walk it off. I was like a little bit upset, but no one was like, walk it off. That's <laughs> 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 another great dark moment, but nope, missed. Hey, he also could miss the opportunity to say language. That's his last words. <laughs> oh, that would be good too. Or to exclaim, maybe I'll be portrayed better in an X-Men movie. As he was. Yes. Which I, I think was the interesting thing. I can't remember which came first. Do you guys remember X-Men Days of Future Past? Or X-Men did. Yeah. And that was the big controversy was there's some loophole where Marvel can use Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch if they don't call them mutants. Uh, but... Uh, the X-Men movies also wanted to use Quicksilver. And I feel like the Quicksilver in Days of Future Past was a little bit more entertaining, at least, in my opinion. Okay, so I understand that this is a movie and that all of this is made up. And I understand <laughs> that just like just like there was room for Jack on the uh on the door sometimes we have to you know sacrifice believability or like the facts within the universe that that we're watching a film to service the plot i'm looking up quicksilver's powers first off he can run beyond the speed of light nice. healing so, I, I, I mean, this, this version of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are obviously not, like, the highest versions of themselves, because we, we see Scarlet Witch obviously progress quite a bit in terms of, like, character and power the, the next few times we see her. But, like, dude, you can run faster than... The speed of light. You could have dodged those bullets. 
He could have grabbed the bullet out of the air. Thrown it at Ultron? Yeah. Yes. Unintentionally killed Hulk. <laughs> Unintentionally anyway. killed Hulk. Uh, just out of curiosity, were there any things that you guys liked? Yes. Okay. Um, first off, there is something that is so cool, so practical, and so feasible in this movie that never makes an appearance again. That it frustrated me that it that it didn't happen more. And that is, why is this the only movie in which Captain America has magnetic gauntlets that allow him to basically call his shield back to him, and it locks into place via magnets? Did those That's not like, come back? I don't remember them coming back. Track it. They, I, I don't know. May, may, maybe they did and they just were so seamlessly integrated that I don't even notice it. But like they, he had a couple of cool scenes based on those magnetic gauntlets. And I was like, why? Like, where did these go? Why is this not a thing? Um, so if it was a thing, I like that they started it here. And if it ceased to be a thing, why did it stop? Because that's not like a huge jump. Um, on, oh. on that note, yes. I do want to say there he does do this movie does a good job of some cool action scenes and kind of those like nerd moments where they're where it's like a nine nine year old imagining his story in his head where it's like and then thor uh takes his hammer and captain america tosses a shield to him and thor hits it like a baseball and it slices through all the ultrons like i i like those moments where they kind of like mix powers yep. uh i agree i i i also thought that james bader was a really great cast uh i agreed i thought that I, yeah. I thought he did a great job and i liked that like ultron was a very compelling villain i think that he got a little bit less compelling throughout the movie but like version one of him where he takes all of the like broken parts of of tony's iron uh battalion or, or or whatever he calls them um and is like you know just kind of crawling and and limping leaking oil uh and and makes his way into tony's party very cool very creepy like big horror vibes i i liked that a lot um and finally I thought at the end of the movie there there was a very nice little uh little little nod that that my wife pointed out to me. Tony at the end of the movie says maybe he should take a page out of Barton's book, build Pepper a farm and hope no one blows it up. And my wife turned to me and said, "Oh? Oh? Foreshadowing." <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. This is reminding me that the thing that I did love in this movie is all of the development of um, Hawkeye. Yeah, 
I like I that like too. Not only did we like really get him as a character, like in the past, he's just kind of been this like side character with not a lot going on. So like we see his family, we get like so much of his sappy personal life. But also, I feel like he's a lot funnier. Like if anyone had any good lines, it was him. Hmm. Here's here's my issue with Ultron. Okay. Um, I do think James Spader does a good job. But I feel like this was the most Disney-fied Marvel movie where I kind of feel like James Spader was essentially a Disney character. Like a a Hades type is who I would most liken him to. Where like Mm. the idea is he's a robot, but, you know, he's kind of James Spader at the same time. Like, he's kind of sarcastic, and he's acting a little human, but it it, it was kind of off... It, it kind of made him less menacing to me, because if he's this all-powerful robot, I feel like he wouldn't be thinking as much as James Spader, and I think he gets to that point as time goes on, where he's just like, I just have to use every single part of my programming to drop this piece of rock on the earth but i don't know it it was just interesting to me that it like it kind of seemed more of like less of an ultron and more of a james spader to me i i liked the refrain of like i've got no strings on me but the fact that it was pinocchio like disney's pinocchio didn't escape my notice yeah (laughs) um so yeah just to briefly glance over my issues with this movie i don't like i agree with Corey. the whole hulk uh black widow thing is weird and uh it's weird when she like calls herself a monster for not having a uterus I don't like that. <laughs> Dang, I didn't even put that together. I forgot that. Right, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> it's just like a weird thing. Like, But like, what you're explaining, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, And like, Bruce Banner's kind of like, he doesn't really say like, no, you're not a monster. He's just like, continues the conversation. And I'm like, ah, this feels weird. Um, yeah. She yes. had a hysterectomy. She's a monster. <laughs> uh, um, I don't think Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver should have been in this movie. <laughs> I mean, because they were, it has led to good things in the future yeah, of yeah. the MCU. But as a standalone movie, it was just one of the things that was too much. Okay, I hear that. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Um... Oh, I should have wrote all these down, but I didn't. I had a bunch of thoughts. There's there's one thing that will hopefully come to me in the next 10 or so minutes, but it just is, it is too fast. I agree with Corey on that. Um, the, I, I will never forget watching this in the theaters and Vision appearing on the screen 
and me hearing my friend Brett next to me just utter, what the hell? (laughs) And me feeling embarrassed that I am a fan of these movies. (laughs) I, I, I forgot to mention, I love vision in this movie. Okay. Like I love vision and I hate, what they've done to him since interesting uh i like his evolution more than him in this movie um i i think i'm i'm pretty sure after seeing this movie and this is like like exhibit 10,780 as to me being absolute prisoner of the moment like the the last movie i saw is the greatest movie i've ever seen but I'm pretty sure I told you after seeing this, I think Vision is now my favorite character in the MCU. I, you I remember like, that. Really? <laughs> I do uh, remember that. Also, yeah, I just... Go ahead. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, like, I I love his his birth scene, genitalia <laughs> notwithstanding. Um, his whole, like, I'm not... I'm not Ultron... I'm not Jarvis. I am. I am. And he, uh, just like that, that moment of <laughs> sentience uh, and, and his, his ability to just, I don't know, like to do the right thing without demonizing, uh, w- 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 without demonizing Ultron, like re- recognizing Ultron's motivation and ultimately his folly. And I think that doing that made Ultron a more compelling villain in the same way that like I I really like how they dealt with uh Killmonger in in Black Panther because like even at the end of the movie you're like, "Man, I don't agree with your with like the way that you're going about doing this, but you make some good points and there, there there's still like not that condemnation, even though to serve the greater good, they have to stop him. Yeah. I, I, I don't think vision is the worst part of this movie, but I, I don't know. It's, I think what I don't like about visions inclusion is how abrupt it is. Um, Fair enough. And also, future writers of the MCU have seemed to forgot that he has hacking powers, which I thought that was interesting because mm. he used that a few times in this movie. Um, the other thing that's weird to me, other than, I mean, real quickly, a lot of recycled jokes from yeah. the first Ave- Avengers movie where they basically copy the part where the guy's playing Galaga and have a guy playing solitaire. And <laughs> they like the, the jokes weren't as hitting as good as the first Avengers movie, which first viewing of the first Avengers movie, it was like, wait, these movies can be funny. And this one was kind of like, all right, we it need must to be funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, my other big issue is like there's something weird about Tony creating a robot trying to achieve peace realizing that the robot 
is bad and then saying well i now have this like powerful stone i might as well do the same thing again and then everyone's like no you you can't do that again remember what happened last time and then thor coming down and be like no he's completely justified and does not need to learn anything it, it just like kind of like seems like well tony's being kind of a jerk about all this but hey he has no reason to think that he'll ever be wrong in the future and i i think that kind of clouds my my perception of vision of like it's he's kind of made under weird circumstances and it's kind of abrupt where just like one second he fights them and then he's like i'm sorry and then you, you you just kind of have to accept that he is good because he picked up Thor's hammer. That's the only really clue we're given into. Okay, he's all right. What else could that tell you? Well, Corey, I mean, is an elevator worthy? Like, if they put it in the elevator and then <laughs> oh, they push a button. Such, oh, so male, so, like, oh, so, so annoying. Did not like that. <laughs> Can you expound on that? Do we should we also talk about the party scene? <laughs> I know that's so a... then I was like, boom, <laughs> you looking for him? What a scene. <laughs> what is I don't even know if I have anything to say about it other than it, why. It it serves its purpose by foreshadowing avengers endgame um like that makes it all worth it but it is kind of weird of just like hey we're just relaxing at this party let's all pick up thor's hammer i i i i the the first time and like first few viewings I, i thought it was charming enough i can't believe how good a dresser thor is and i can't really say the same thing for i think much of anyone else but he just had like that <laughs> like ox blood coat or whatever with the with the collar like the high collar very very nice um i i also i i, I don't know it, it it's it's weird seeing uh like see, seeing them socializing uh it, it it's it's like when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery store or even worse, like at the pool or something, you know, it's like, ah, no. So I feel like the first time I watched it, I really liked that aspect of this scene where I was like, this is fun. And it's like, it's more real. It's different. But this time around, maybe it's because it felt like everything was just so much. I was like, what are we doing here guys? Why do we have this long scene just for the hammer? Yeah, I I think I go back and forth in my mind where some I, like in theory I'm okay with it and then other times I'm like, yeah, I don't need to I don't need to imagine who's worthy and who's not. But again, it leads to the ultimate soy face moment in Endgame. <laughs> yes. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, the other thing that's interesting to me is there are three films, not in a row, but there are two in a row that kind of are like infinity stones jamming that term down her throat and i i feel like this one was a little too much in that direction where it's like okay we saw thor the dark world we saw guardians of the galaxy like i don't know maybe it wasn't maybe i'm being too harsh on that end but they really wanted us to know what infinity stones were and that seemed more like a way to push the Infinity Stone plot forward rather than being, like, super important. In, yeah. In, in in this movie especially, I, I, I think Corey made a good point. Like, that's such an important byline in the whole MCU, and this was, like, the biggest exposition we had gotten to this point, and it was basically just Thor being like, Guys, I've been gone, but I had a vision, and there are infinity stones. There are four now, and there are only six in the world, so yeah. we need to be careful. <laughs> yes. I mean, maybe could have taken something else out to, to give that a little more space. Yeah. Wanda and Pietro. Hey. Fair. But, of course, we end with the post credit scene. Uh, Thanos grabbing his gauntlet void of stones. Saying, I guess I'll do it myself. I did I'll do love it myself. That. <laughs> That's iconic. I'm 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 not trying to be a stickler, but like in Infinity War, I was led to believe that giant guy made the gauntlet and then like immediately you know, took off like, and, and, and then Thanos took off, right? Like Peter Dinklage. I think uh, they explain that away by his like whole people being dead and like fighting for mm. that like thing. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, put it in a well-lit room in a little <laughs> chamber that will hiss when I open it. Yeah. While I, <laughs> while I kill all your people. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out of thoughts. Can I, uh, can I leave you guys with the uh, two bullet points in the trivia section on the uh, Marvel fandom database for RD Simic? <laughs> yes, please. All right, bullet number one. RD Simic would get the lousiest credits at each issue. For example, Journey into Mystery number 121, the credits read, Another towering triumph for Stan Lee, writer. Another day, another dollar for Artie Simic, letterer. <laughs> In Tales of Suspense number 58, the credits read, Lettering of Breathtaking Adequacy by Artie Simic. Another time, his name was largest in the credits with the explanation that this was cheaper than giving him a raise. Though it might, though this might seem unfair to current comic book readers, letterers seldom, if ever, received credit for their work before Stan Lee instituted this policy policy at Marvel in late 1962. Bullet number two, he played the spoons. What? 
Boy, Is did he. <laughs> Those are the two bits of trivia about him. That's beautiful. Yeah. I... I... I love this guy so much, and like I, I'm, I, I'm sure that being a letterer, you definitely don't get into it for the glory. But mm -hmm. the, like, he he must have had a great sense of humor. <laughs> or Stan Lee was a huge jerk. Either way, or, or 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 maybe for the time this was him being nice. I don't know. But yeah. I just like to think that he had a good sense of humor. I like to think that they're just a bunch of goofballs yeah. working together, playing games of dice all the time. And the spoons. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing the spoons while Stan Lee is blowing into his big jug. I'm 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 imagining them playing dice, uh, and like after work one day, Stan just comes by. Hey man, you're never gonna make enough money being a letterer. You might as well try and win some win some off of me and Jack Kirby by throwing some dice. <laughs> Stanley. I don't know what Jack Kirby sounds like. Oh uh, yeah, we're playing some dice. I was thinking the exact same voice actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually, if Wolverine went back in time, he would kill baby Hitler. <laughs> if you put a southern accent on that, I feel like that would just be Hank Hill. <laughs> All right. I think, trivia. I, I think this is a good place to end. Get it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you all so much for, for tuning in. Thank you to Corey and Ryan for, for being with me as we made our way through Age of Ultron. And uh, we'll see you next episode where we close out Phase 2 of the MCU with the latest, the greatest Ant-Man. We'll see you then. <laughs>